Hello, my name is Asha Kedi, and I'm a corporate vice president. In my job at Intel, I get to work on next generation technologies in wireless and other spaces. Intel being a technology company is both deeply involved both in 5G and Wi-Fi 6. I'm Catherine Speglia, and this is Well Technically, the tech podcast where women do the explaining. Hi, Asha. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me here. Today, we'll be discussing the relationship between Wi-Fi and 5G and how these two technologies will be used at home and in the work environment. This is something I've written about a number of times, but I'm really looking forward to getting your perspective on it. But before we get into that, my first question is a bit different. So Asha, what is an example of a time in which being a woman has empowered you? That's a really good question um, because many times we get the questions around uh, the negative side of uh, being the minority. So I really, really like this um, question. The way I... Um, being a woman has empowered me is uh, being remembered. So I tend to do things like wear bright pink or red, right? So it makes me stand out. And that means that when I say something, at least it gets heard or remembered, right? And so that's one way that I use it to empower both myself and and also get heard. The other thing I also do is I have pink phones or red things and all and choose colors that stereotypically uh, someone who's not a woman may not choose. And that way I can keep track of my things and they don't get lost or things like that. So I use it for uh, the memory and the stickiness factor. I think that's a really good approach to it. I mean, you already stand out, so why not use it to your advantage, right? Uh, Or the other self-empowering thing of it is like, you know, using the things that is in our control, right? And working with what we have. And, and what I really like about the question you asked and this whole framing is to make it uh, a part of our empowerment and a part of the solution versus, um, you know, a part of the victim mentality or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And, so, and, and, and have some fun with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The, other thing, the other thing, Catherine, is that um, um, the other thing is that I, I view a lot of things as a journey or life as a journey. I, I was not doing that as much when I was younger, but the older I grow, I think it's all about a journey versus a destination. That's great. I've been getting a lot of good career advice lately from these podcasts. So uh, that is personally beneficial to me. <laughs> all right. So... What do you anticipate the relationship between 5G and Wi-Fi 6 being as both technologies continue to advance? A little bit of competition and cooperation is always good from my point of view. And um, if I think about both 5G and Wi-Fi, they're both technologies that I'm involved in today also, including my team. And I've grown up with um, uh, both sides of the world. The way I look at it is 5G as it's commercialized today started much more around, is around enhanced mobile broadband and really 
started with the whole ringtone and circuit switch networks and the networks that allowed us to communicate or even Superman change his clothes, right? And so, so it's really evolved from the voice networks to data to a more IP-centered and a broadband-centered world. And it's very long range, right? Um, and, and yes, it's evolving. And because as we went to IP-based networks, we started having applications. And remember the time when there's an app for that? It was, a, it was standalone apps. I have an app still, it's 100 push-ups because you would download the Wikipedia or download the apps. And once we had the ubiquitous connectivity, it changed the way consumers live. And now we're trying to do the same changes in enterprises and industries and all of it. Wi-Fi, on the other hand, was always built on a completely different construct around peak throughput, right? And how can I get you the most data and how can you use it? And Wi-Fi is also built on unlicensed spectrum usually. So anything can go like baby monitor to a garage opener or, you know, anyone can use these licenses. And over time, as lower band licenses became crowded, we had to move high. And so it's it's like, a, it's almost like the democratization and it's like traffic, right? So it has peaks and flows and it has con a lot of emphasis on contention and how to behave if there's multiple interrupts. Whereas in a cellular network, um, I mean, you saw the recent auction, $80 billion and counting. And when you pay that much money, every fraction of a DB, if you will, you need to make sure you're getting what you paid for. So it's very much optimized for that. So I view those two as um, some of the main differences between how I think about Wi-Fi and 5G. Of course, we can't have this conversation without talking about Wi-Fi 6E. So in early 2020, the FCC enacted regulations permitting unlicensed, unlicensed operations in 6 gigahertz. Why was this such a big milestone and what implications does this have as we look forward into 2021? Believe it or not. 20 years, we have had no new unlicensed spectrum for Wi-Fi or other things. Yeah, in theory, anyone can use, but you know. And so, so I think that's the big deal. Like, look at what happened during COVID, right? We all have teachers, we all have students, we all, you and me, we're talking through our Wi-Fi networks. And so I think one of the foundational needs is the fact that it's new spectrum and the first new spectrum that really Wi-Fi can go after, after 20 years. The second thing is around the enhanced version that supports not just the six gigahertz band, but also the new devices. And the fact that this allows us to have much more gigabit performance. And this is you know, important because uh, we are so visual these days, right? Everything is visual media, visual latency, visual applications. And also that's the other reason this big swath of spectrum, 1.2 gigahertz, um, more than triples the amount available for Wi-Fi. And, um, and the last thing I'd like to say is all these use cases I view as hybrid models. So even though we have 5G and Wi-Fi and Wi-Fi 6E and all, I see where we'd be handing off to from one network to another depending on the use and depending on the latency needs or applications and back and forth. So in general, I think it's kind of like land like how real estate people get very happy when they get more land. And so now we have both of these wireless technologies with a lot more spectrum. Yeah, and I do want to talk more specifically about how these technologies will be used in different environments. So how will Wi-Fi 6 and 5G be used in home networking, 
But also, what about in the enterprise space? That was that's an actually really good question because I don't view these two technologies as competition as much as like one existing without the other. Um, let me start with Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi has we everybody uses Wi-Fi daily. It's it's an it's not going away. It has some things going for it like ease of deployment. Um, we already talked about how it's designed for as a contention-based solution and all. Now, what's different about the cellular stuff is after we saw the transformation on how we live, right? Like in the consumers, like how I use my phone. 4G was designed for video calling, FaceTime anywhere, right? But yet we then started using it to transform uh, our lives, including how we call hail a cab and how we order food and all. And that same kind of transformation, once we realized the power of it, we wanted it to transform smart cities, households, enterprises, all these areas. To do that, it was not designed to do that, right? We barely could even get it to do like um, IoT because it was chopping the things that we built for video calling. And we had this whole series of things called cat one, zero, minus one and all because we were trying to make something out of it. So with 5G, there were two parts to it. One is the evolutionary part, which is backwards compatible. But the new exciting thing is the what we call as the private networks where there was built-in support from the ground up to design the networks and authenticate it and all like how you in an enterprise or in a home environment and all of these, right? The structure just didn't exist. The second thing about these designs is they are forward compatible. So they're, they're designed very differently. So they're designed like, you're not taking like a huge bandwidth and then trying to use a small portion of it. You're actually taking a small portion of it and scaling it upwards and um, having a lot of support for things like edge compute, if you will, which is local processing or fa uh, how do I do data optimization? One of the challenges is we generate a lot of data, but so little gets used. So uh, a lot of the 5G home networks or, um, or private networks that you and I are talking about, we're basically looking at how do we look at the use cases to enable it. And Asha, I've heard that you have a favorite example of the growth of private networks. I do. It's actually in the small town of Loving, Texas, where the uh, FCC, CBRS, or the Citizens Band auction um, for 2020, uh, and how um, that happened across the country. In this town of Loving, Texas, population 82, not many people, and yet the maximum number of megahertz per pop. Six out of the seven licenses were bought by two companies. Um, um, uh, Occidental Petroleum and EOG Resources. These two companies actually did it for business reasons, right? It is because it's like there's the entire um, uh, um, entire spectrum um, that they covered it, and it is located on the western edge of Texas and it, uh, Shale County. And so, so, so the point of this example is that the spectrum in the small town is more valuable per capita basis than the spectrum licenses covering Beverly Hills or Silicon Valley. That's to put it in perspective. And that's because of the business nature of how private networks are starting to transform the landscape. Yeah. It also speaks to the fact that the revenue opportunity in Loving, Texas is tied to machines using the spectrum and not the people. Yeah, that, yeah, that is very interesting because um, there's, I'm sure there are more than 82 machines in, in that city. 
and many more to be built, right? So it's like the age of the machines. Let's shift a little bit to what Intel is doing to help advance these two technologies. So what is Intel got going on when it comes to the development of 5G and Wi-Fi 6? Intel being a technology company is both deeply involved both in 5G and Wi-Fi 6. I'll start with the simplest thing, which is standard, since that's one of the things I do. And so for starters, we're uh, involved in the standardization um, and the pro- and the standardization aspects are important because they focus on uh, interoperability and making sure that the technology works in any country and any geo, right? And I'll, let me start with Wi-Fi, okay? Uh, in Wi-Fi 6, not only we did the base technology in IEEE, we also worked a lot on the policy aspects of that, right? Including identifying spectrum that could be used and building it into our products, for example, in the PCs and other areas working with the AP vendors to make sure they're interoperable. Uh, we're on the board of Wi-Fi Alliance, which then helps uh, certify the profile and the use cases and all of it. So Intel is in products, in the policy areas, in the standardization areas, and working with the ecosystem um, so that Wi-Fi happens. On 5G, it's a lot more complicated, right? Because in 5G, the way I like to think about Intel's role is we power the network with 5G. And so over there, um, the standards aspect is important because there are many areas that Intel has contributed to, um, uh, right? Including some of the specific 5G ones are like low latency or ultra low URLCC, ultra reliable um, low latency ones. 5G edge positioning support, edge computing, self-organization networks, media networks and all. So in, Intel, we use a lot, we have a lot of focus on networks, core networks, network switching, virtualization, the entire revolution that Intel helped drive around software defined networks. Now we're bringing it to the radio access and the virtualization. So the way I look at it is um, we power the network and we have different aspects of this and we help make sure that 5G has a very horizontal play. So that's uh, many of the things that Intel is doing in support of it. Yeah, thank you for that. It's That was a really solid rundown of what Intel is doing right now. But I also know that there is a lot to come with cellular and Wi-Fi technology and that Intel is continuing to, to innovate on both sides of that. You know, in 3GPP, we saw the completion of release 16. Delicates are already working Delegates, I said delegates. <laughs> delegates are already working on release 17 and Wi-Fi 7 is already being discussed. With all of this in mind, can you give us a taste of what is to come when it comes to the future of connectivity? Sure. Let's, let's start with 3GPP, okay? Essentially, um, it's more, um, release 16 was the first major release where things became more revolutionary with private networks. So there'll be a lot, we'll go a lot more deeper. For example, um, if I think about industry 4.0 and others, it's very exciting because I'm looking at some of these new factories. It's like a giant football field with nothing in it because everything is flexible and tons of antennas, right? So to have that come to life, you need things like positioning support. You need things like where the requirements are met. You need things like um, time synchronization, which we started, but we take it to a different level, 
right? And uh, so you, um, how do machines talk to each other through better side link optimized? Um, all of these kind of things are areas that Release 17 is starting to focus on. The other area is also um, um, latency tolerant, but low data, where maybe the devices may have like 10 years of life or more, right? So the other end of like mission critical um, and non-terrestrial. Um, aspects of it, which is, um, you know, you see all these uh, news on satellites and other non-terrestrial areas. So those are some of the things that Release 17 is focusing on. And um, to continue that, um, uh, Release 18 starts getting into the study areas, and we're already talking about 6G and like more spectrum and more timing resilience and um, um, aspects of it uh, around um, an order of magnitude, if you will, combining maybe with optical networks. So the way I look at it is it's an order of magnitude across all the performance vectors where you can start then look at having the concepts of a digital twin really come to life. Um, Wi-Fi will continue its journey and I think they call it extremely high throughput and I don't know how many extremely, extremely, extremely we can add, but I think they'll really start focusing on reducing the latency requirements to be very similar. Uh, they're gonna have like 320 megahertz channels. So it's kind of like mind boggling um, for those of us who actually did the dial up, right? Like that wasn't that long ago. And so, and then um, uh, qualm size, it'll still use OFDMA, but it will be much more flexible and efficient and not just focus on peak capacity because this is just like a tsunami, right, of uh, spectrum. And so it'll have like many spatial streams, 16, whereas Wi-Fi 6 has eight and um, extremely high throughput along with density um, is the goal. And so it'll have a flexibility and capability to like really boost in enterprises and all. Asha, that was my last question. So thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you, Catherine. It was a pleasure to talk to you. And hopefully we'll see you again soon in person. Well, Technically is an Arden Media production. For advertising inquiries, contact Danny Miller at dmiller at ardenmedia.com. Today's show was produced and edited by me, Catherine Spaglia.